When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Richie. Beyond Walker. Pugh. Pugh! That'll do it! That will do it! Pugh for Bolton! The roof of the gold sands is raised! Everyone here knows what that could mean to this football club. Hey there, how's it going? Good? Great. So, uh, do you mind if we start? Splendid. Yeah, welcome to Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast with him, Sean Barker, and me, Sam Davis. And we are very much grateful to be spending the next hour or so with you. And because the league table has now finally caught up with us saying we're safe for the past month, I'm once again wearing the Premier League home shirt. Should really think about giving this a wash, actually. (laughs) And to remind us of the dark old days, I've gone for the mid-90s blue and black striped away shirt. Do love that kit, though. But thanks again, wherever you are, we've had messages from across the world, as well as plenty of you lot close to Dean Court too. And we're really grateful that you're tuning in and enjoying the show. And on that soppy note, let's get going. Okay, then. So coming up on the show this week... We play your fan thoughts and then discuss the match following the defeat to Man City, uh, Spurs, no, um, Chelsea, no, um, uh, Liverpool, nearly, nearly, Everton, Everton, the defeat to Everton. (laughs) And then I magically combine the online review with our feature this week as we trawl back through the one year on hashtag and remember that glorious seven days from the Ross McCormack last minute goal for Fulham all the way through to Tommy Elphick lifting the trophy at the Valley. I can't wait to hear those good memories again. But before that, I will get hilariously punny as I'll bring you the latest club news. 
Hilariously, you said that, not me, Sean. And we'll try and avoid being ironically forgetful again by bringing you not only the clues, but this week also the answer to Do You Remember? The supporter profile this week comes from fairly close to home. Well, for me anyway, as we hear from Mike Mead, who's just a bit north of me in Auckland. Wow, what's that now, Sean? Four FCB fans in New Zealand? Six, Sam. I believe there are six of us. Well, we'll also be bringing you a reminder of the categories in the Back of the Net End of Season Awards, as well as telling you some very exciting news about the soon-to-be-released Back of the Net merchandise range. You could win a shirt just by voting in the awards. I can't wait to get the prototypes for the new Back of the Net undies. Uh, I don't remember signing off on those. Well, before this all takes a turn for the worst, let's get underway by bringing you the fan thoughts after the Cherries went down 2-1 away to Everton at Goodison Park. But first, let's hear from the reporter at the game from Radio 5 Live, who still incidentally hasn't learned the golden rule of broadcasting. Keep your mobile phone away from the microphone. Everton 2, Bournemouth 1, so a first home league win in almost three months for Everton. And this on the day that there was a light aircraft above the ground trailing a banner which said, time to go, Roberto. Well, Roberto Martinez saw Everton take the lead through Tom Cleverley after seven minutes. They conceded two minutes later to Mark Pugh, but won it after 64 minutes. Leighton Baines firing high into the net. Everton 2, Bournemouth 1. This is Big T from Southbourne. Well, we had enough chances to win that, but Simon Francis was clearly demonstrating he doesn't want to play it right back next season. He had a nightmare. It was like being tied to a chair and forced to watch Michael Ball perform the covers of Chaz and Dave. It was excruciating. And in front of him was the endless chicken of Matt Ritchie, Ball's least improved player of 2016. I'll tell you what... If my asparagus turns out that poor this season, I'm going to chuck it in the bin. I don't like it. We're in the habit of losing. I'm going to sack some beer now and chip some beer inside me. Forget about the whole thing. I'll see you at the West Brom game. Hi. James from Parkstone. I just got back. Uh, My wife's asleep, so this is my analysis of the game. (laughs) We score when we won. We score when we won. No, we don't. We had chances galore. Not clinical enough at all. Um, pace and attack, yeah, but cannot score for Toffin. <laughs> Ironic, that one. Um, also, we've come from League Two. We've come from League Two. We're AFC Bournemouth, we've come from League Two. Yeah, it, it looks like we have sometimes. Hiya, lads. It's Mike from Ferndown here. Uh, the Everton game was like a semi-entertaining pre-season friendly both sides stroking the ball around having a lovely time in the Liverpool sunshine but in the end it was basically down to a tale of two penalty boxes Everton took their couple of chances and Baines finished well when we were sleeping on the back post and uh, we missed our chances in their box I'm looking at you Mr Afobe
Thank you once again for the fan thoughts. Don't forget, after every game, you can either record your voice on your mobile phone or on your laptop and email the audio to fans at afcbpodcast.com or you can call our answer phone 24-7 on 01202 90 10 48. This week, thank you very much to James and I just hope he didn't wake his wife up upstairs. And Mike Brannan, thank you very much for your call too. And big T, who was pretty pretty wild, eh? So uh, anyway, to have his have his beer, and um, yeah, I just hope his asparagus does turn out all right because I don't want to be around him if with a dodgy asparagus. <laughs> Apparently, asparagus is supposed to be an aphrodisiac, Sean. Ooh la la! So Leighton Baines got the winner against Bournemouth to end Everton's poor recent run and ease the pressure on manager Roberto Martinez. The hosts had taken an early lead when Tom Cleverley drove in a low shot, but Everton's defensive frailties resurfaced within seconds when Mark Pugh equalised for the Cherries. But Baines struck from the left of the box later to seal a first league win in nine matches for the Toffees. But some home fans still protested against Martinez. So the final score was 2-1, Sean. We made a few changes in this. Now we had Harry Arter coming back for Dan Gosling, Callum Wilson for Graban, and then Matt Ritchie, who replaced Stanislas. What were your thoughts on that? Bit of mind games from Eddie Howe with Harry Arter, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. You know, the whole, oh, we're going to look after him, we're going to ease him in, whatever. And we should have seen what was coming, shouldn't we? Yeah, we should have. And... I thought he did all right, though. Um, he actually played you know, very well. Obviously, we're going to go through each and every one of the 90 minutes shortly. However, um, yeah, you know, I thought it was quite nice. Great to see Callum Wilson back starting again as well. Yeah, it was. We did predict that Wilson would get a good run out this time. And yeah, he looked, he looked good. He looked strong. And he was making those runs down the channels that he makes. And yeah, hopefully, I don't think it'll be too long till we'll see him back on the score sheet. Uh, Richie coming back in. I know Big T's not a big fan, but um, I think what Richie did give us was he was cutting in really well. And he had, well, was it two or three chances on the edge of the box with his snapshots where he probably should have got one on target and a bit closer to, to going in the net. But yeah, I, I, I thought that was quite positive. But yeah, Big T, not a big fan. Yeah, and uh, Matt Ritchie, it was the same sort of range as what Tom Cleverley shot at after seven minutes. And it was a left-footed strike. And, uh, well, it was a great shot into the bottom right-hand corner. He sort of sidestepped, was it Simon Francis? And, and managed to get a bit of room. And then uh, it was a you know very tidy finish there. It was. The only thing, I, well, not the only thing, because it went in, so I was disappointed about that. But the main thing that disappointed me was was the pressure that we, we were putting on the players or lack of um, throughout the game, really. I think we gave them a lot of space. And um, what was noticeable for me with that first goal was that whenever the ball's out wide, we're normally really good at doubling up on the player on the ball. So you will see time and time again, you'll see the right back and you'll see the right midfielder or obviously on the left, the left-hand side guys will get a two-on-one. So we at least make it a bit more difficult but for the goal Baines got the ball out wide he was one-on-one he's played it into Barkley Barkley's one-on-one he feeds it to Cleverly and it was just all a little bit easy I thought you know we just there wasn't the pressure there in the two-on-ones to make it more difficult once it was at Cleverly you kind of have to give credit really for the for the, the turn and then the shot in the bottom corner could Boric have got down a little bit quicker 
positionally. I thought he was okay. I think maybe if he was a little, down a little bit faster, uh, he probably could have got a hand to push it away. I think he did get a little touch, but it just kind of went underneath him, which does point to the fact that maybe he was just a little bit slow getting down. Mm, but it's good that we got back into it almost straight away. Within, It, it felt like a minute. I don't know the, the exact timing, but Callum Wilson with some good work down the right, um, bordering on a foul. We'll talk about that shortly. But uh, he he crossed it into Josh King, and I wasn't sure whether at the time Josh King was shooting or what. But anyway, it found Mark Pugh, and he kind of had to... It was a decent strike, really, considering he had to move his feet quite a bit. Um, obviously, the keeper got a touch on it, but uh, yeah, one all. Yeah, and perfect time to get back in the game, because after we conceded, I was just shining, not again. You know, we just keep giving these teams a goal start, and... Thankfully, yeah, it did come uh, pretty quickly. We went straight down the other end. I think it was, yeah, I think a minute 50 or something, I think the commentator was saying. But, yeah, you say good work by Wilson out wide. I know people have different views. For me, I can't believe that wasn't given as a foul. I mean, he's put his hands out and he shoved him, albeit not massively, but he's pushed him in the back. So he's pushed him from behind. So it's not like they're side by side and they're both jostling for the ball. You know, Pennington's the favourite to get there. Wilson just puts his arm out and shoves him. And, um, yeah, obviously they all stop because they think it's going to be a free kick. As Yeah, and good work by Wilson. I mean, that's doing what he does really well, which I've noticed Josh King's been doing more and more, actually. And I think that's one of the strengths of King throughout this season is he's got better. He's got more dominating with that running out wide into the channel and then cutting back in. And then, yeah, tease it across to King. When you watch it back, no, it was definitely a little cheeky chip through, little scoop pass to Pew, quick swivel and a hit back of the net. But for me, that's that's a foul every day of the week. Mm-mm. I don't know because when I, I haven't I haven't actually watched it um, again. Well, I only saw it again once, but um, maybe if I see it from different angles, I may you know agree with you. But uh, Bolton game last year, Bolton at home, the 3-0 win that we all like to watch again and again on YouTube. There was a, a situation in the first couple of minutes where Charlie Daniels played a long ball through um, and it met Callum Wilson. And he did, to me, exactly the same thing against the Bolton defender, uh, defender I think it's DeVete or something. And he barged him off the ball and then had a shot which Bogdan saved. He, he should have squared it really to Pewey. But to me, it didn't seem any different to that. But I don't know. No, I thought... I... I can't remember it vividly right now, that agile moment, but I'm pretty sure he was more side-on. I think it was more It was more of a shoulder. This was, he just put his arms out, just shoved him in the back. Mm. Well, I don't know. Anyway, it, you know, it's glad, it, it was good that we scored it, and it's good to see that at least he's got that aggression and the, um, you know, the pace, and he's slow. You know what? Hopefully he's going to, you know, be that player again, and we're going to see a goal from him between now and the end of the season. Shame he didn't get on the score sheet. Matt Ritchie had a couple of chances in the game uh, that were blocked or went wide, but really the rest of the first half, there wasn't anything of note really, was there? Not really. I mean, it was a pretty open game, wasn't it? It was two sides. Again, it was just another game where it looked like it was two sides that didn't really have anything to play for and both sides were getting, you know, to knock the ball around a little bit without really hurting either goalkeeper and yeah, it just kind of pitted out to half time really. Yeah, that's right. So after 60 minutes, Everton made a substitution and they had Lukaku um, who came on. And I think he um, he's always strong up front. And well, it wasn't long before 
Everton then took the lead, 2-1. Uh, Leighton Baines, uh, left-footed uh, shot from the centre of the box to the top left-hand corner, uh, assisted by Tom Cleverley on the right. Uh, have you really got anything to say about that goal, Sean? Uh, he was free and unmarked at the back post, so I guess you could say, well, how has he given that kind of space? But again, we just sat off them a little bit, and they were able to drive into the area, which... Funny enough, was a little bit like their third goal at our place when they scored in the 90... What did they score? Was it the 95th minute when they scored and then we scored in the 98th? But that was a goal where we kind of backed off and all of a sudden there's a lot of players in the area and they're playing these little passes in behind us. And it was just... You'd have liked to have seen us hold them a little bit higher up the field because once you get a guy in behind, you know, five, six yards out, putting a cross in, it's always going to be difficult. But yeah, pretty... It was a disappointing goal. I said this on Twitter actually at the time, like you know, after the game, I, I really didn't have an opinion on it. I think I've just been numbed from recent performances. But Junior Stanislas replaced Mark Pugh, and I thought I thought he did okay. Um, his his final ball sometimes let him down, but you know the way he you know runs very directly. It's like a sort of Ryan Fraser esque sort of character. Yeah, it was his. Best best performance since he's come back from injury, wasn't it? The first couple of appearances just hasn't really looked like the junior we've saw earlier on. Whereas, yeah, I was I that was a really really positive sign. Actually, I thought he was he was really good. I thought he was good, as I thought Mark Pugh was good too. Mm. So Afobe came on replacing Josh King, and then on seventy eight minutes, Callum Wilson crossed, and oh my god, I don't know if he was expecting it or what, because Callum Wilson was a, was approaching the byline, and I didn't think he was going to get the cross in in time, but he managed to you know wrap his right foot around it, and then it was the perfect chance for Benick, and over the bar it went. He should have done better, I think. Yeah, I think so too. I think you're right. Maybe it caught him off guard. And also it was quite a bit of pace coming in from Wilson. But, you know, bearing in mind that a phobia, I think, was coming from a standing start. Having a ball coming at you at pace means you don't have to worry about getting any power. All you need to do is make sure you get it on target. And it was like he just jumped a little bit late because he didn't quite get over the ball, did he? He just kind of, I think he kind of headed it on his way up instead of kind of on his way down, if that makes sense. Whereas if he was over the ball, he probably could have directed it and it would have it would have been a goal because it would have had a huge power on it. But I think that was Wilson's last um, bit of action, I think, before he got subbed. I think he came off after that. But again, that was that was good to see. But yeah, you want to see that stick in the back of the net. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, 2-1 full time. Very disappointing. Um, however, like I say, it's not like we're not used to it, is it? But uh, on a brighter side, we got some fantastic puns that came in. And uh, firstly, Steve Wright, actually, this wasn't a pun, but he just wanted to tweet us and say he thought the Callum looked strong, held off defenders well, uh, just needs the goal versus West Brom to reward his hard work. Yeah, so we certainly agree with you, Steve. So the puns. Right, mm-hmm. Gazza on Twitter, or Gary, well, uh, I think he'd had a few bottles of wine, but here he goes. Cherries get stuck in toffee, but end up sweet by staying up. Ah, oh, yeah, that's good. That's good. Considering, yeah, clearly uh, had one or two wines. That's, that's not a bad effort. Not a bad effort. <laughs> and then it was the bane of my life. That was him as well. He said he admitted that it's late and he was drunk. Say no more. So, yeah, we'll leave that one there and just uh, just let that settle. Okay. Yeah, it was rubbish. Uh, Nobby Dog then said, with three courses left, cherries failed to get through the sticky toffee pudding. Well done, Nobby Dog. That wasn't bad, was it? <laughs> that's a good. That's good. I like Nobby Dog's. That's that's two weeks on a row. We've had some good ones there. 
And then Robert Murphy, he had a similar pun. A cleverly worked goal leaves cherries in sticky toffee situation, but results elsewhere prove sweeter. That was good. Oh, that's good. Is that is that on debut? I think. I think it is. Have we had? Have we had? I think that's Robert's first appearance. That's strong. That's a strong first effort. Cleverly worked. Sticky toffee situation, exceptional puns there, really good stuff. Hey, Sean, you know what else was really good? Leicester winning the league. Oh, my word. Yep. So just before we, we went to press, we just watched the Everton, uh, the Chelsea Spurs game. I caught the end of it. And, uh, yeah, it was amazing to see how pumped up Chelsea were. I was listening to Talk Sport, actually, just before we started record, recording. And there was a Spurs fan phoned up. And he was going wild. At, he was disgusted at Chelsea's performance, oh, really? where they'd been all season, all this kind of stuff. And the fact they had, they had a free kick on the edge of the box it's 2-2 in the 95th minute or whatever to win the game and Willian instead of having a shot just plays it I think to Hazard to take it into the corner it was clear they did not want Spurs to win the league but I uh, yeah just kind of echo what many people have said really I think it was brilliant that Leicester have won the league you know regardless of you know if you want to be picky and some people are saying oh well I'm not a big fan of their football style but do you know what I would rather that than have somebody spend a quarter of a billion dollars on really good football to win the league. You know, to have that from a team of players that were discarded by other clubs, didn't cost a lot of money, you know, um, and, and we know that story more than more than many, you know. I just think it's really, really great. And, of course, the big news is that Gary Lineker is going to be wearing his undies uh, for, the, for the match of the day, which, you know, for, for back of the net listeners, you should know, it's, that's, that's not a new thing here because <laughs> I always do my show in my undies. Yeah, sit down, Sean. I don't want to be seeing that right now. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, well done to the Tinker Man. And, Sean, uh, you've been tinkering with a few clues this week, haven't you? I have, yeah. So do you remember this week has a player which uh, is a little bit more recent, actually. So we're trying to make sure that we, you know, we get some some older ones, but also some slightly newer. So this one isn't from that long ago, but I reckon it might catch you out until the last clue. I, I'm going to say the last clue. Most people are going to get it, but have a listen to this. This player was born on the 21st of December 1985 in Cardiff, Wales and started his footballing life as part of the youth team at Bristol City but never made an appearance for the Robins. He signed for the Cherries having impressed on trial during the pre-season of the 0506 season and made his debut away at Torquay in the Football League Cup first round. He became a regular in the side that season, even getting a call-up for the Wales under-21 squad although he was unable to participate as the Cherries could not release him due to an injury crisis and lack of first-team players. He was a left-back who was released by the Cherries at the end of the 06-07 season, having made 45 appearances during his time with the club. 
He was famed for always being cold and hence needing to wear gloves and stockings. There you go, listener. Uh, do you remember which? Yeah, I reckon most would have got that by the last clue. So come on, Sam, tell me you got it. Seriously, I haven't. This oh. is this is bugging me. This really, you know what? All the, I don't know. I honestly have not got a clue. The whales under twenty one. Did you say under twenty ones? But it didn't quite. Uh, it didn't quite happen. Mm-hmm. He got selected, but he never got going because back then we just didn't have enough players to release him. I'm going to feel so embarrassed once. You know what, Sean? I think I need to have a good old think about this, and uh, you need to step aside into your news booth, and uh, let's have some club news. Okay, just give me a sec. I'm just going to go into the booth now. Oh, these undies are tight this week. AFC B Club News. I'm going to bring out the big dog first up. The Cherries say, fair play, you've got me, as the club has a fine day. The release of the AFC Bournemouth accounts this week show that the club were fined a figure of £7.6 million, having failed to meet the requirements of the financial fair play rules during last year's championship winning season. Under the rules, you are not permitted to make an adjusted loss amount higher than £6 million, with the Cherries posting a loss of £39.1 million for the year to 31st of July 2015. Within the books, you can also see that the staff costs rose from £17.3 million per year to £30.4 million, with turnover increasing from £10.1 to £12.9 million. Of course, having secured Premier League football for next season, the club are now in line to receive the massive new TV payout, so a measly £7.6 million fine seems like loose change. What has happened to our club? Ings brings shiny things to the Cherries' bank balance. It looks like 200,000 shiny golden ladies are on their way to the Cherries financial team after a transfer tribunal has ordered Liverpool need to pay Burnley £6.5 million in transfer fee for Danny Ings. Ings let his contract expire at Burnley at the end of last season so he could join Liverpool, but because he was a homegrown player under 23, it meant the Reds still needed to pay money to the Clarets. Ings was part of the Cherries youth setup and when transferred to Burnley there was a sell-on clause attached which meant the club would be owed money from any future sales. The grass may be greener on the other side of the fence but please stay off it. The club have issued a statement this week to all fans attending the final home game of the season this weekend versus West Brom to say that they are not to go on the pitch at the final whistle. The sight of thousands of fans running on the grass at the conclusion of the home campaign has been a regular occurrence in line with the staggering successes the team have achieved over the last few years. 
But this season, the club faced the prospect of a heavy fine should scenes occur as the Premier League are very strict on their image and how the teams and fans are to behave. Additionally to this, Jeff Mostyn has explained there are serious health and safety risks as this year has been the first season to see the large LED advertising boards around the pitch, which are not meant to be leaned on or climbed over. Online, it seems some fans are hell-bent on ignoring this statement as they believe it is a club tradition. But having been there when a Pulis-led AFC Bournemouth finished 17th in the third tier, I can definitely state this has not always been a tradition. AFC B Club News. And thank you very much, Sean, for the club news. I've got to say, those boxer shorts, if we're going to get these back-of-the-net branded ones, I think I want a pair myself. Great show there, Sean. And also, well done on the puns. This week, I've actually got to congratulate you because they weren't bad this week. Thank you very much. Yep, I, um, I'm pretty much in the flow now, eh? So the cherries say, fair play. You've got me as the club has a fine day. That's not bad. It's genius. That is genius. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the standard that I have now set for future pun headlines. But then you've got one that says Ings brings shiny things to the cherry's bank balance. I wouldn't say that's a pun. That's just that's just rhyming, Sean. Yeah, it's, like, it's good, though. Still nice. And the grass may be greener on the other side of the fence, but please stay off it, too. Yeah, that's actually, I mean, aside from the glorious headline, it's an interesting uh, debate that's going on, isn't it? The whole, I don't care, I'm going to go on the pitch anyway, you can't stop me. And, you know, in past years, it has been, uh, you know, this huge sense of achievement and everyone's run on because of what it's meant. I just like this, this season does, it has to trump every other season, right? Because staying in the Premier League has to be bigger. But the fact that, you know, we stayed up and there's still been five, six games to go or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. It is different. The edge is slightly taken off. And if the club are saying stay off the pitch and, you know, I think they have valid reasons for it, then I would say, please just stay off the pitch. Let the players come back out. Because I think from their perspective, you know, if the fans run on the pitch, that means the players have to leg it off the pitch and they have to disappear into the changing room and that's it. See ya. You know, and all right, you can stand on the grass and take a photo of you on your phone and all that stuff. But the players are stuck in the dressing room. You know, stay off. Let them come out with their kids, their family. Let them walk around and actually you can show your appreciation. And I guess for me, I think the work they have done this year against everything means they deserve that moment and that time. And so... Yeah, I'm saying forget about your own personal, you know, thoughts and just give the players the respect. Yeah, no, I um I actually agree with you on that completely. I think I think really you know, we've done all that. We've done it many a time before and apparently there's a chance of a fine that we could uh the that could be incurred as a result of that. If that happens, I think anyone that goes on the pitch should basically share the cost of the fine. Hopefully it'll financially cripple them so much that proper fans can get the season tickets next year, eh? (laughs) (laughs) Handbags, handbags, I know. But no, you know, it, it it makes sense. You don't want to be chasing players down and then, you know, Callum Wilson gets another ACL as he, as he jogs off the pitch. You don't want that. 
Well, it's just, you know, you're just not going to see scenes of Harry Arda getting piggy, you know, on somebody's shoulders going nutballs because, you know, we stayed up like that. You know what I mean? It's just, it's not taking anything away from what they've achieved, but it's just, yeah, I just think this year is, there's a better way we can celebrate it. Mm. But talking about that glorious day where everyone did go on the pitch and it was all super duper exciting the feature this week done by sam is to celebrate the hashtag of one year on because obviously a year to the day was this week where we celebrated going up into the premier league so sam takes a look back online at that hashtag to relive the great memories in terms of commentary of what happened last year but also your thoughts as you remember one year on of us getting into the premier league this week the twitter sphere was mainly spending its time reminiscing our championship run-in because it was exactly hashtag one year on since that fateful seven-day period that saw Middlesbrough send the keeper up, Pewey netted the first of three goals to see us promoted, and then a memorable lunchtime kickoff at Charlton saw the Reds crowned champions as Watford conceded a last-minute goal to Sheffield Wednesday. The tweets and videos that were getting bounded about certainly put a tear in many of our eyes, and in this extended online review slash feature, we'll be reliving the best bits from that week. So, let's go back a year. So with Bournemouth playing on the Monday night live on Sky against Bolton, on the Saturday, Middlesbrough and Norwich both dropped points. Sending the keeper up probably wasn't the best idea, eh, Karanka? Fulham scored a last-minute goal, Ross McCormack made it 4-3, and this paved the way for Bournemouth to be potentially promoted on the Monday night. So... 11,000 people packed into Dean Court. It's 7.45pm. The atmosphere was bubbling with fervour. And for the first 37 minutes, Bournemouth were knocking on Bolton's door. We had a few scares where Adam LaFondra had a header, but thankfully Boric was on call to save it. And we had chance after chance, but the Bolton keeper Bogdan just kept us at bay. Until, on 38 minutes, this happened. Richie. Maybe on Walker. Pew! Pew! That'll do it! That will do it! Pew for Bournemouth! £4,000 is what Ari, Harry Arter cost. <laughs> you know, £4,000 at daily of the century. Yeah. Here comes a cross and a chance at the back post from Mark Pugh for Bournemouth. Shoot! Scores! Bournemouth take the lead! And has Mark Pugh scored? In the top flight. Well, Kermit gets peeled out wide. Down the right side of the box. Richie has it with some great skill. Richie's ball in at the back post. Pew with a chance to control. Can he get a shot away? Pew's left footer! Mark Pew! It's the first step towards the Premier League as Mark Pew smashes into the top left corner. A magnificent finish. And Dean Court goes wild. And the Cherries are a step closer to the dream. Bournemouth 1, Bolton 0. And what a goal that was. Alice Curtis tweeted, Pew, that'll do it. 
Matt Sturgeon said, Having my glasses squashed into my face and smacking my teeth onto someone's head when Pew scored. Hashtag one year on. And then Kerry Payton said, Pew for Bournemouth. Hashtag best night ever. And it wasn't long before we were all celebrating again. Wilson. turn on the style didn't we and thankfully it was all wrapped up in the second half tricks from his locker runs into the defender then plays a lovely ball to Daniels pulls it back Wilson trying to spin Wilson there it is Callum Wilson fittingly the Terry's top scorer Eddie's army are going Barbie they're going to the Premier League here is a pullback to Wilson great turn brilliant goal it comes for Callum Wilson his 23rd of the season So final score, Bournemouth 3, Bolton 0 and Robbie Sargent, Korsakoff on Twitter, he had to park his car about two miles away from the ground, but I bet he was pleased he got there. Rafi on Twitter said, best game I've ever been to and probably will ever go to. Nick Christopher tweeted, remembering my daughter telling me I was embarrassing her as I had tears in my eyes after Richie had just made it 2-0. Kevin Anderson said, the feeling that the South Stand was going to collapse due to the epic amount of people jumping. John Flanagan said, loving the one-year-on trend, unbelievable that night, so nervous all day, Prosecco when I was back home. And then Hey It's Nat on Twitter said, oh my god, can't believe it's been a year since we were promoted, still remember every minute of that match. Aaron Waldron, crying with pride and then crying with laughter after this, legendary moment. Harry Coburn said, the realisation of where we have come from and the confidence we showed against Bolton and still today, hashtag proud. Mr O tweeted, I was tearing up at how completely drunk out of his skull Maxim was. They'd have chucked him out in the East Stand. And Red and Black 68 was standing in the North Stand, staring out forever after the final whistle, speechless and emotional. And it wasn't just the Bournemouth fans that were pleased. There were people calling up Radio 5 Live, even a scouser who supports Liverpool, who said he was so proud of the boys. 
But to see a club like Bournemouth, what they've done, Watford were the same, fourth, third, second, first, and finished runners-up to Liverpool. And sitting here, I'm 70 now, and this has done my heart good to listen to this commentary. And what a wonderful little football club. And when they say little, you know what I mean, a family club. And what a wonderful performance Eddie Howe has done. And well done to all those Bournemouth fans when they were 15 points adrift six years ago. And they stuck by them, travelling to the likes of Carlisle. They're the true supporters. And I'm so pleased. I came to my first game when I was a little boy. My dad took me, seven years old, in 1964. So I've been waiting for this game, this night, for 51 years. Wow, where do I start? Um, The man is an inspiration, an absolute inspiration. Uh, What he has achieved uh, for this football club um, is difficult to put into words. Um, I think that he's a managerial genius and he's a legend. Who knows where he'll be? I live in Wales. I used to live down here, and I'm one of the many exiles that come down. And I come quite regularly from from mid Wales. Oh, amazing! I was just saying that uh, the first game I, I think it was that I saw was Boxing Day, 1955, uh, against Watford. And Bournemouth won 4-0. So a couple of other views from Bournemouth fans there. So Bournemouth were promoted, or were they? We were playing Charlton on the last game of the season and they tweeted, Bournemouth celebrating like they've completely ruled out a 19-0 defeat at the Valley on Saturday. We'll see. Sam Green, an AFC Bournemouth fan, said, Love this tweet. Still can't believe we went up and stayed up. Tom Jordan tweeted, Back in 2009, Eddie said he didn't want to be the man who took us out of the Football League. Last year, he did just that. AACB one year on. And the players, well, they had a good time, as did the chairman. That was in the changing room after the game, and this was Halo Nightclub in Bournemouth. So it was certainly a very ropey Tuesday morning, but the boys got back to training and then prepared for the big match on Saturday against Charlton Athletic. How would it go? Well, it certainly went well on the pitch for AFCB. We look like the home team, no doubt about that. Cook plays it out to Daniels, who's taken a position of a lovely first-time ball into Pew. Pew approaching the D, plays it into Kermigan, back to goal, 16 yards out. Holds it up for Ritchie! Off the post! 1-0 Bournemouth at the Valley! Another fantastic first-time strike from Matt Ritchie. 14 league goals for the season for the Scottish international, and that one as sweet as any, as sweet as the goal against Bolton on Monday. And Bournemouth deserves I got to 10 but lost it. And Matty put the ball away. Now he has given it away. Arta into the box. 2 0. Mistake made. Confusion between Tao Ben Haim and Yoni Boyens. And Harry Arta said, Thank you very much. He scores. It's two in three minutes for Bournemouth. It is easy as the fans are already chanting. It's Charlton nil. Bournemouth 2. Over just fluffed the pass really but he might get it back and now Wilson has and then a lunging challenge from Solly only goes as far as Daniels doesn't shoot clever pass Richie in the box gets it out from under his feet shoots again Matt Richie 
started the afternoon. He's finishing the afternoon. He punches the sky and celebrates with the Cherries fans and his players. They've got their goal in front of them, the 4,000 happy fans. And Matt Ritchie has 15 for the season. So Bournemouth were leading 3-0 at the Valley doing what they had to do but down the road at Vicarage Road unfortunately Sheffield Wednesday weren't quite reading the same script until that is this. Sheffield Wednesday get an equaliser, Maguire tosses the ball in, Nuiu on the stretch, here's Mello, lifts the ball high, Dini is there defending the edge of the six yard box, Danger still not clear, Wednesday, Nuiu's there and Wednesday have equalised! The Wednesday fans behind the goal go absolutely bananas and that could be a real game changer as regards the championship title. That will be a goal that reverberates all the way across to the Bournemouth-Charlton game as well. But Atinuiu on the stretch has brought Wednesday level and may well be about to deny Watford the title. Watford won, Sheffield Wednesday won. Same and he sprinted towards the goal, picked the ball out the back of the net and put it on the top. What have they have they drew, Adam? I think there must be a goal at Watford. Cherry's fans are celebrating. We'll get news. It is 1-1 at Vicarage one Road. One. What a minute Road. in the championship season. Matt Ritchie scores and Sheffield Wednesday equalise at Vicarage Road within seconds. Bournemouth at top of the championship table with five minutes to go at the valley. So that was the moment we knew that AFC Bournemouth were on top of the table. And this was the moment when the Watford Wednesday result was confirmed. Roger Johnson gets it away from him and then Smith grapples with Boyens as Charlton win a free kick and Bradley Johnson has a second for Norwich. It's four and I think Sheffield Wednesday might have scored again or it's full time at Vicarage Road. We will find out. Richie with a big smile. It is full time at Vicarage Road. 1-1 between Watford and Sheffield Wednesday and Tommy Elphick punches the sky with both hands. The Cherries are going up as champions. 3-0 leaders here. Matt Ritchie screams yes to the sky. Jan Kermanant on the sidelines. Celebrates, punches as well. Mark Hugh hugs Ryan Fraser. Bournemouth are going to go up as champions and title winners in the championship as they head to the Premier League. And what a scene that was at the Valley as Bournemouth ended up championship champions. And Stu Bramley, well, he decided to sing his enjoyment by saying, here's to you, Atheniuhu, Bournemouth loves you more than you all know. Whoa! And then Cameron on Twitter, who's fantastic, thought he'd do it in poetry by tweeting, roses are red, violets are blue, goal for Sheffield Wednesday, Atheniuhu. And he quoted all the hashtags there, including Watford FC, who must have been sorely disappointed and even better, the Wednesday fans were singing our name. And what a great set of supporters they are, and we wish them all the best in the championship playoffs. Liam Grace tweeted, boy oh boy, what I'd give to relive all this again. Well Liam, hopefully this has helped. So, what was your favourite moment? Steve Phillips said, this was my favourite moment, and he posted a video where Adam Smith was orchestrating the AFC Bournemouth crowd behind him, whilst taking a video with his mobile phone.
beautiful moment, Smudger. Rob Meach said, I can't believe Charlton away was a year ago. I know we had Sheffield Wednesday to thank, but our performance that day was spectacular. Champions. And as many people were watching the Bolton match online, Joe Lockhart said, I've gone all hipster tonight and watched Charlton instead of Bolton. Forgot how good we were that day. But remembering the plight of our former championship colleagues, Katie, Calamity Kate 67 on Twitter said, So, poor Charlton could see the championship trophy presented on their pitch for the second year running, as Burnley could be confirming it there next weekend. But anyway, what a season it was and what a great chance to reminisce with the well-thought-out one-year-on hashtag. And of course, a certain Leicester City avoided the drop last season, as did we this season. I wonder what happened to them. Hi, I'm Jimmy Glass and this is Back of the Net. Supporter Profile what is your name? Mike Mead. Where do you live? Uh, Auckland, New Zealand. First Bournemouth game attended? Uh, that will be Torquay at home in the League Cup in the uh, 1970-71 season. We lost uh, 2-1, which is uh, reasonably typical. Favourite player of all time. Oh, jeepers. Uh, Fred Davis, because he used to live down our street. Uh, Kenny Allen, because I used to play cricket with him. And obviously, when he got whacked by the uh, the old man at Tremere. Um, uh, Keith Miller was a, was a favourite in the old days. Uh, Derek Showers, Phil Ashworth, because he was so hopeless. Neil Haig. Um, no particular real favourite though. Favourite current player? Oh, jeepers. Uh, I mean, a guy like Harry Arter. I think just, just yeah, probably Harry Arter, the goals he scored. I mean, I think um, all the years of watching Bournemouth live, they've obviously, the quality of football is so much better now, but just... Just, I think the one thing that stood out for me, the recent team, is uh, unbelievable goals they've scored. Favourite all-time AFCB game? Favourite all-time game? Uh, well, Man United in the Cup, the 2-0 win, uh, Fulham away to clinch the championship, um, and the Southport game in uh, 76 of the Bombsgear game, where we all had to go on the pitch. Um, yep, they're probably three that uh, that uh, stand out. Your greatest AFCB goal? Oh, it's pretty easy. Ted Max at uh, Villa Park. Not uh, not much can go past that one. But uh, like I said before, some of the goals that uh, the team have scored in the last couple of years have been pretty spectacular. But no, I think Ted Mack wins out there. Best moment as a Bournemouth fan? Uh, again, probably beating Man United 2-0. Um, it was one of the few times that anyone acknowledged that uh, Bournemouth existed in those days when we didn't get laughed at at school or whatever. So supporting Bournemouth. If you could sign any player, past or present, who would it be? Oh, you'd have to re-sign Harry Redknapp, chuck him back on the wing. 
your chart of choice? Uh, Benson Out was always a good one that went on for quite a while, but uh, I can't really remember a lot of chants. We didn't used to have much of a crowd in my day to, to chant much. What league position will we finish in this season? Sixteenth, mm, unfortunately. Uh, from this distance, halfway around the world, looks like uh, I suspect the players have, uh, have gone on holiday a, a little bit, or mentally enough that uh, you know I can't. Yeah, sixteenth. But hey, who cares? They're still up. Thank you to Mike Mead down here in New Zealand for being the supporter profile this week. Uh, yeah, all from Auckland. So just, ah, uh, he's a fair way from me. I'm in Wellington, but same island. And prior to that, Sammy, great feature there. And just, oh, I still get goosebumps and tears in my eyes listening to the commentary of those goals going in and just remembering, you know, one year on, what just a spectacular and unbelievably incredible week that was. So, Cherries are entertaining West Brom on Saturday in a 3pm kickoff at the Vitality Stadium. Of course, that's Saturday 7th of May. West Brom are no slouches. They recently got a result at Spurs. Um, but aside from that, it's going to be an interesting game. Chance to get our first double. Who knows? We may get it against West Brom. Of course, West Brom did lose at home 3-0 at the weekend to West Ham. So it's going to be an interesting one. My main focus is on the starting eleven for AFCB because I'm very intrigued what Eddie's going to do, Sean. Yeah, I'm not sure whether he is going to make any changes or not. The only possible thing is, does he want to have a look at Afobe and Wilson playing together? I guess that's my main thought, is are we going to see those two start? In which case, though, where does King fit into that? Can you really drop King? Or does he go out wide and does one of the wide guys miss out? Yeah, but that's. I guess that's the main thing. Um, and whether Arta got through the game okay and whether he's going to get another run or is was that one and done for him? Mm. For me, uh, this is another one as well. Like Mark Pugh, for as good as he's been recently, popped up with the goal on Saturday. He's been great for us recently. But I do think Junior Stanislas just you know gives us that something different when he comes on. Um, I would actually like to see Stanislas start. Um Matt Ritchie did all right the weekend. I would actually like to see Josh King, Wilson and Afobe all on the pitch at the same time. But is that possible? I mean, you know, Josh Wing, uh, Josh, Josh Wing. Well, can, <laughs> can, can Josh Wing play on the King or the other way around? Like, That's a good pun. Yeah. Can, um, you know, he's been converted to a striker as such. Can he, will Eddie Howe still utilise him as a potential winger? Like, i.e. could he replace Matt Ritchie? Yeah, I don't think that's a bad shout. I think we can, we've can. we seen King uh, in a few games. He's actually gone out wide for different parts of the game, and I think he can look really good out there. He's just got that pace and that strength that whether he's playing up the top or whether he's playing out wide, I think he can hurt players. Yeah, I'm just I'm just thinking of a headline. Wing King Josh does his thing. I don't know. But anyway, what do you think? I mean, scores? Have you got any predictions? Have you got any thoughts about this one? Are we going to do it? Uh, me, personally, I'm going to go first this time. I reckon we're going to get a win. Uh, West Ham, as I said, uh, put three past them. 
we need to finish on a high. I know we've had a, a number of matches where we've had a chance to you know, get a result recently, but I don't know. We, we usually finish the season pretty well um, at home. The season's gone by. So, yeah, I'm thinking we're going to win this and we're going to win it two goals to nothing. And I think Josh King or Josh Wing is going to score the winner. Hmm. Yep. I'm... Yeah, I want to see us. We need to pick up some points before the season ends, right? We can't finish as we are now. And I'd like to see us treat this like a cup final and go, do you know what? Let's just go all in on this game. Let's give it everything we've got. Let's get that intensity back that we've, you know, it has dropped off a, a few percent since since we kind of hit the over the 40 points. So let's have a big game. Let's really get at them early. The crowd gets super excited and we are going to win this three goals to one. I think they'll get one. I'm going to go three goals to one. Wilson gets one. Graben gets one. Stanislas gets one. Love it. Okay, well, so what's your predictions then? Let us know. Send us a tweet. We are at AFCB Podcast. This is Steve Jones, and you're listening to Back of the Net. Now, as you hopefully have heard on last week's show or seen online, we are currently underway with the Back of the Net end of season awards so the voting's been open for a week and there is one week to go to get your votes in for the 10 categories and sam's going to give you a little reminder now of the categories and also how you can vote indeed so the categories are player of the season most improved player match of the season the best away ground visited the best atmosphere funniest chant the assist of the year Save of the Year, AFC Bournemouth's Best Goal, and Supporter of the Year. Now, if you want to vote, all you've got to do is go to our website, which is afcbpodcast.com forward slash awards. Or just pop to our homepage and you'll see the awards link at the top. Just leave your details and leave as many answers if you can. If you're not sure on one of the answers, do not worry. Just leave it blank. But send in your submission because it will all get counted and plus... If you enter, you've got a chance to win one of our incredible back-of-the-net T-shirts. This is very exciting. So we didn't announce this in the show last week. This is a sneaky little thing that came out this week. So everybody that fills in the form and enters with their votes goes into the draw to win a soon-to-be-released back-of-the-net T-shirt. So we've got a full range of merchandise, which is going to come out soon. There's going to be life-size models of Sam. There's going to be Sean face masks. It's going to be everything you could ever wish for. But the lucky person that picked up is going to win themselves a back-of-the-net T-shirt, which has got back-of-the-net on it, and it has in big letters across the front, Eddie had a dream. Amazing. So don't forget to vote. Remember, it's afcbpodcast.com forward slash awards. Yep, so you've got until next Monday to get your votes in. And wherever you are in the world, you can register to vote. Because if you are the lucky winner of the Back of the Net t-shirt, we will cover the cost of postage wherever you are.
say thank you once again for listening to another episode of Back of the Net with myself and Sean. And remember, if you haven't subscribed already, whether you're listening on an iPhone, Android, Windows phone, whatever, make sure you subscribe. And of course, you can do it on YouTube as well. All the ways to listen are on our website, afcbpodcast.com, and you can click the How to Listen link. And also, why don't you uh, tell your friends too? Do you remember in the days of Ken Gardner? the chairman at the time, and he had this slogan on one of the uh, the videos that they launched, and it said, bring a mate, double the gate. Well, we should have a slogan. What about, uh, get a mate to here and we'll buy you a beer. Maybe we won't buy you the beer, but uh, anyway, make sure you tell your friends because uh, we would love to get more people tuning in and getting involved in the show too. Now, I've got a note here on my laptop that says, do you remember? I've got no idea what that's referring to, Sean. Uh, do you? Ah, oh, do you remember the feature, Sam? Remember where we always give the answer at the end of the show and we never forget. We always, always tell people the answer. Yeah, we forgot last week. Sorry. So this week I thought it was pretty easy, but we've gone through the show and Sam has that perplexed. F- I mean, he's not, he's always got a slightly <laughs> perplexed face, but today he looks even more confused. So, Sam, have you got any idea who it is? It's going to kill me once you tell me. Um, I, I've i got no idea. And you said it was 2005, 2006. Played like 40-odd games, you said. Uh, this is going to... So a regular left back. So 40-odd games is two seasons. Um, mm-hmm. I, don't, I really don't know. And as soon as you say it, I'm going to be uh, hanging my head in shame. See, the thing that was, the last clue, I was like, oh, I'll throw this one in. So he was famous for always wearing these stockings underneath his shorts and socks. Like, even oh. when it was really hot, he'd always have gloves on. The other thing that I didn't say as a clue was that he often had a bit of colour in his hair. Like, so he went through a stage where he had red in his hair as well. Hang on. Okay. No. I'm, no. I don't know. I don't know. Callum Hart. Oh, my. Oh, my word. Yes. I can't Callum believe Callum Hart. Oh, well done. Yeah. Well done. Oh, I've stumped him. That's great. So Callum Hart, who is still playing to this day, he's at, at Salisbury and a pretty regular in the Salisbury side. But, uh, yeah, Callum Hart was the player. It was the benchmark of coldness was, yeah, watching him on a sunny, you know, game, stockings on gloves on he didn't exactly look like the tough defender that maybe we needed at the time but he had his moments but ultimately yeah didn't work out long term but more importantly sam didn't know it barker back of the net yes well done sean uh i'm i'm extremely disappointed extremely well, the only way you can make up for it, Sam, and this is going to be a little treat for the listeners, and Sam doesn't know we're about to do this, but to send us out today, I learned a new skill that Sam has during the uh, outtakes. Turns out he makes a really good owl noise with his hand, <laughs> and he can also play a tune. Now, because it is one year on since that day when we won promotion to the Premier League, if you were listening to the game commentary or whether you were there, you probably would have remembered that the Match of the Day theme song was sung around the ground. So to send us out this week in a second we will have sam with his owl impression just to reminisce about that glorious day but from me sean and from sam this has been back of the net the afc bournemouth podcast and we'll see you next week
gone. And it's coming through the middle. Recovering challenge from Edward. He's He's onside. Hater. He's got it. It's absolutely unbelievable. James Hater has a three-minute hat-trick at D-Court. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.